Welcome to Purpose and Productivity, a podcast made possible by the SkyPass Group of Companies and SkyLife Success. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, everybody, on this The Lord's Day. It being a Sunday, I'm going to give you a message that I would have normally offered in a church. And this one I have offered in many churches over the years. When I travel around, a lot of people say they have received comfort. I've always made the disclaimer that I'm not a seminary trained preacher. And most of what I have learned, I have learned by myself, by using the knowledge of those who go ahead of us, those who grow around us, and those who guide us so that we can be effective for others. I titled this message, In the Years I Have Offered It, The Greatest Gift from the Grandest Giver, and it is nothing more than a run-through of the 23rd Psalm. In these days of discontent, in these days of displeasure, in these days of unhappiness, and in these days of uncertainty, it is a psalm of refuge. It is a psalm that gives us great comfort. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now there is a first-person present tense quality to this if you want to, and I sometimes like the King James Version of the offering of the 23rd Psalm, which reads thusly, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, what I want to do is take you down each part of that psalm, each verse, and maybe give you a little bit of hope as we grow through it. I'm not seminary trained, so this is not some kind of a profound theological exegesis. It is just something one day sitting in a hotel room amidst the loneliness of an itinerant life. Someone said, why don't you just read the 23rd Psalm? And then I suddenly, the words just started jumping off the page and I quickly articulated a message around it. I remember preaching it the very next day or offering it as a message the very next day in a church in India. And uh, immediately the people came to me and they said they fell in love with it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here I wrote down the word riches. There is a difference between wealth and riches. Wealth is when your friends want to be with you. Riches in the eternal and heavenly sense are when God of all creation has a personal investment in you. This is what theologians and people who unpack biblical um, language call imago Dei, made in his image and given his mind. Imagine that. We are made in the image of God and given his mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What kind of riches that a God who creates universe, when you look at the vastness of the universe, 
Uh, many of you have heard the story of the astronauts on Christmas Eve, Apollo 8, uh, on the far side of the moon, on the dark side of the moon, looking at the earth from the far side, seeing an earth rise from the first time, and looking at this tiny speck that was their home from where they launched, and from the infiniteness of the galaxies around them and the vastness of the space around them, they were making out that small tiny speck called home, and they suddenly began to realize the richness of God God's majesty and the amazing wonder of his creation because he made it all he created it all he posited life on this earth and if you believe that and you embrace that you begin to realize that having his image is an infinitely greater rich or set of riches than any wealth or any net worth you can amass or accumulate the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want the second, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. After riches, I articulated the word rest. The word simply is be still and know that I am Lord. He is the giver of comfort and the only one that can make a weary soul lighter. Annie Johnston Flint wrote, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision, our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting, availing the Father both thee and thy Lord will appear, their Lord will upbear. His love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto man. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. The rest we get from these infinite riches. Third, he leads me beside still waters. After riches and rest come relaxation. Can you trust him to lead you to bring you to being a mind that is fresh and a body that is eager? There is a comfort in the assurance of Calvary that allows God to be the one that guides us into hope. This relaxation, knowing that Others can mock you for who you are. Others can block you because of how you believe. But only you can rock for the rock of ages because of the relaxation he provides in that infinite eternal assurance. He refreshes my soul. He restoreth my soul, said King James Version. He restores my soul, said the NIV. Rejuvenation. So after rest and riches and relaxation comes rejuvenation. When we go to the Father in search of healing, His presence gives us a new life and the joy that results from a transformed heart completely dependent on the giver of new life is the rejuvenation we need today. Many of us are weary. Many of, feel, many of us, even though there is no war, feel battle-beleaguered. We feel war-torn. We feel we've been fighting this infinite virus from the confines of our homes, from the loneliness of a lockdown, from the pressure of this pandemic. And yet when you read the words of John Wesley from his diary in the 80, when he's in his 80s at 82 and 84, he is voicing his displeasure by saying, the, I'm, uh, my body is decrepit and it is refusing me to allow me to wake up at four in the morning to serve my Lord. At 84, he's complaining to his doctor because his doctor has now limited his preaching to 14 times a week. Can you imagine you're 84 and you're arguing with your doctor because he is now asking you to be inactive so you can have preservation? But he is saying the God of heavens is the one who prevents me from feeling pain 
In his diary, he goes on to reveal that I don't think I have felt an ache or a pain or any kind of illness, and I attribute this to the fact that I serve the living God. He refreshes my soul, rejuvenation. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. This is responsibility. See, here's a very interesting thing. The path is his, the righteousness is his, but the responsibility is yours because it is his namesake. His namesake. God corrects you when he claims you because you are not hurting yourself but him who claimed you. You are an ambassador now for the kingdom of God. Maybe sometimes I would rather say I'm a follower of Jesus of Nazareth or a believer of the carpenter from Galilee. Remember when Saul was on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, he says, uh, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? He knew who he was persecuting. He was on his way to accuse the Judaizers, the people who were following the way and was going there with a persecutor, persecutorial authority. Paul was a learned man when he was Saul of Tarsus, having studied under Gamaliel. He had the backing of Greece. He had the glory of Rome. He had the knowledge of the, the Greek people he represented. He had the light of the Hebrews. And here he was walking around and he says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake because that great revelation that the apostle Paul went through when he was Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus uh, ends with when the scales drop off, he'll be my chosen emissary to the kings and the Gentiles. And Paul hurt more for the Lord he served and followed than he did as Saul for whom he was terrorizing other people. Finally, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. This is why I love this psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Imagine being alone, but never lonely. Or never, imagine being lonely, but never feeling alone. This is reliance. So after the responsibility of being in his namesake, we get the reliance of realizing that God is for us. In Ephesians 6.10, we are asked to rely on his power and might. Reliance on God gives you a faith that grows, a faith that knows, and a faith that shows. E. Stanley Jones, that pioneering missionary to India, often said, Is the gospel new every day you read it? Is it true because you read it? And is it you for having read it? In fact, the story is told of Stanley Jones uh, when he came back to the United States on a furlough and a young man wanted to get time with the great evangelist. So after the evangelist realized he was going to be picked up at eight o'clock, the young man thought, hey, I'll just get there at seven o'clock. I'll knock on the great evangelist's door and I'll tell him, sir, because of traffic and the disruption of patterns, we have to leave a little earlier. And that way I know the I know Stanley Jones only has to be there around eight o'clock. I'll pick him up at seven and I'll have a full hour with him. But when he went and knocked on the door at 7, remember, the original time given to Stanley Jones was 8 o'clock. When he went and knocked on the door at 7, there was no answer. 7.15, no answer. 7.30, no answer. 7.45, no answer. 8 o'clock when he knocked the door open. The young man who wanted that extra time was now perplexed. He realized that the person he thought was, may not have been in the room had been in the room all the time and just knocked and, and just opened the door at the appointed time. When he told him that, hey, I came here and knocked a couple of times earlier, Stanley Jones said, I was in prayer, and when I'm in prayer, I hear nothing else. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. When God is with you, you don't need to hear anything else. There's a lot of noise going on in society right now. There's not a lot of cultural upheaval going on. 
And what you need to realize is the God of heaven, the God of the highs, is also the God of the valley. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is resilience. This is the discipline. Sybil Stanton wrote a book called The 25-Hour Woman, which Mr. Ziegler used to quote from and I've quoted often, but which she said, discipline is not on your back needling you with imperatives. It's at your side encouraging you with incentives. I, as an immigrant, have always believed the day you add uh, discipline on your back and the day you become a slave to discipline, the world will become your oyster. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The word of God is not something that is supposed to be just relied on when you are in times of despair. But the word of God is supposed to be used as a crutch because it is the promise upon which you will be delivered. Thou preparest a table for me in the present before me in the presence of my enemies. The other version, the NIV says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Here it's reputation. So far we have covered riches, rest, relaxation, rejuvenation, responsibility, reliance, and resilience. Now let's look at rep reputation. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I have had the chance to be in some environments which are hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've been in environments where as a person practicing a Judeo-Christian identity, I have, been, I, have received, I have received derision. I have been mocked for that faith and I have been at times told by people in no uncertain terms that I, was, I had betrayed my own upbringing. I had betrayed my own culture. I was a curse on my own family. The good book has revealed to us time and again that a great reputation is better than silver or gold. Many years ago, Mr. Ziegler used to quote a corporate person who would always say, your behavior determines your character, your character, your reputation, and your reputation, your advantages. Howard Hendricks of Dallas Seminary used to say, your career is what you're paid for, your purpose is what you're made for. When God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies, it is because he has given you a God-ordained, a king-sized purpose. And this purpose can be mocked, it can be blocked, but only you can rock for it. And I love that concept because that is going to be my catchphrase going forward. I don't care who blocks me. I don't care who mocks me. I'm going to wake up every day with the desire that I'm going to rock for the rock of ages. Thou anointest my head for, with oil, my cup runneth over. This is the replenishing. Many times people will say, hey, I went to church and I was hoping I would get replenished there. And I've often said church is not a re rest stop, it's a refueling stop. You can only be replenished if you pour out everything that God has given you. He anoints your head with oil and your cup overflows. What he is doing is his anointing is constant. Your cup will constantly overflow. Don't be worried that you're going to run out of what he gives you. Give it away as soon as you get it and more will come to you. It is such an amazing promise. It is, And this goes back to when you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, when you feel a great nervous breakdown coming upon you, make sure you find someone else with a bigger problem than yours and get invested in solving their problem and yours will go away. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth, runneth over, my cup overflows, the replenishing. Surely your goodness and your love shall follow me all the days of my life, or surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This is the result. 
And do you believe in the finality of your choice? And that's why I tell people, sometimes when I look at these great plagues and these great epidemics that have derailed civilization, and first time in humanity, first time in mankind, we have had this global shutdown, but we have also experienced this shutdown with almost a 24-7 window of opinion making, either for or against the shutdown, for a solution or against a solution, for the mandate or against a mandate. But the dialogue and the defense and the diatribe against and for it has been constant. In plagues past, people had to wait, they had to listen, they had to watch, they had to observe, whether it was herd immunity or the mentality of the people who did wanted to participate or not participate in that immunity is immaterial. But for the very first time, we are now looking at something that has brought us to our knees and we are not relying on the fact that plagues have existed since the days of Pharaoh. In fact, those were the challenges when uh, God wanted his people to first be redeemed. When Moses had the edict to go and redeem the slaves out of Egypt and when the exodus was supposed to happen, all these plagues and diseases that were sent upon were sent by God. I do trust Dr. Rogers, Adrian Rogers, when he says what God does not ordain, he allows. It is part of free will. Uh, This desire for people to come to him is in spite of what's going on in this world. As one uh, author said, the great I am is not sitting in the sky going, oops, I wonder what happened. I should get involved. Surely your goodness and your love shall follow me all the days of my life. Everything we're experiencing has a result. Now, the result is on the cross at Calvary, the result was accomplished when man Man's sin was atoned for when God of heaven descended to earth and his shed blood took over all of what mankind was capable of doing. But he said something profound on the cross as he gave up his spirit. He says, it is finished into your hands. So he had come. We are participating in a finished work. So when we pray, surely your goodness and your mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We are praying in the affirmative that there is a result and we believe that result. And finally, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, retirement. It is comforting to know that the God of all creation has provided for us a place of rest beside him forever. The existence that we know will fade and the memories we make as we traipse through this life will be altered. But the promise of Calvary is the best retirement program and gold watch we can get for serving him. And there we will tell a different time. We've gone through riches. We've talked about rest. We have understood relaxation. We have looked for rejuvenation. We have claimed and adapted and adopted the responsibility. We have believed the reliance. We understand the resilience which comes with his corrective action. We will defend the reputation because he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And as a result of that reputation, we will have a replenishing because our cup will overflow with his anointing. Then his goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, which will be a grand result, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, our retirement. The greatest gift from the grandest giver. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.
That concludes another episode of Purpose and Productivity with Chris Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.